really want to talk about uh, the promises of God today because uh, it's something that I feel like it's, it's really been marinating over the last few you know, six months, but really it's actually been a process of maybe the last five years. Um, so who, who here's had a promise from God or has a promise from God? They're waiting on a promise from God. You know, it can be, you know, God bring me a spouse. God bring me a million dollars. No? Yeah? Yeah? Um, well, I feel like, you know, sometimes we'll invite people here to speak, and they'll be, you know, super prophetic people, and the whole time that they're speaking, you're thinking, why are you talking? Start prophesying. And pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> when you hear that they're coming, you're like, I'm wearing bright neon colors and sitting right in the middle so that you can see me because we want to hear from God. We want to hear what he wants to say about our lives and our future and who we are. And um, there's, that's not the only way that we can hear God, but um, sometimes we'll get that word and it happens and we're like, oh yes, finally, the prophet gave me a word and it's this big, beautiful, prophetic word and we walk out and we're feeling like, woo, I got my word. And then um, it doesn't happen right away. <laughs> and we're like, was it you, God? I don't know. And then we like place it on the shelf and you know wait for more confirmation or we have a word that's had like 18 billion confirmations and it's still not here. Um, but today I want to talk about three guys from the Bible that had similar experiences. I mean, you can pretty much pick out anyone in the Bible and, and, and walk through their promise. But um, the first of these three guys is Joseph, who had a dream. Remember, it was him and his brother. Actually, it was two dreams, but his brothers were all bowing down to him. So Joseph has a dream, and then he has a journey. And then there was a guy named David, who you guys know. He's kind of my boo. Um, he had <laughs> my other boo, other than you, him, and Danny Silk, you know. <laughs> Come on. Um, but David had a prophetic word from the prophet, and then he had a journey. You see where I'm going? And then you have Moses, who God speaks directly to, or an angel, and then he had a journey. And um, Moses is kind of who I want to camp out with today. Um, I'm going to talk about the other guys just a little bit, but um, I just, we all, we all, I mean, you guys are familiar with the story of Moses. He was baby in a basket, sent on the river by his mom during a season of genocide in Egypt. He's found by Pharaoh's daughter, brought into the palace, raised as a prince of Egypt. Um, he commits a murder and actually tries to cover it up. And he gets caught. He flees from Egypt to Midian, where he gets married and has kids and becomes a shepherd. So let's, very quick version of, of the story of Moses. So let's just say, by the time we get to the point where Moses gets his promise, can we acknowledge the fact that he's already lived a whole lot of his life? He's had an entire lifetime, and then God releases the promise. So just as a, as a side note, you're, you're not unqualified because you've already lived a whole bunch of life, or you've had a whole bunch of things happen, or you're labeled as a murderer, or you're labeled, you know, there is still hope for you late in life. There is still hope for you despite your sin. God is still going to bring your promise. <clears throat> that was free. So finally, we get to the moment where, you know, we've got the bush, and it's burning, but yet it is not consumed. And um, God gives the word to Moses, and he says, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to free my people. And um, 
Moses does what a lot of, what a lot of us do is, I mean, you, I mean, you guys know what a resume is. Moses hands God the anti-resume and gives him all the reasons why he can't. These are all the reasons I'm unqualified. <laughs> Don't pick me, you know? And um, I don't know about you, but I do that. God's like, do this. And I'm like, oh, but I can't. I'd love to, but I can't. (laughs) So God kind of gets Moses past that by giving him Aaron. Um, But then I also love that the next thing that Moses wants is a sign. God, how am I supposed to know this is you? Because, you know, the whole burning shrubbery that is not this consumed but is not consumed is not enough. The whole angel, everything. Not enough for him to know that it's God. God, how do I know that this is you? And I love God's response because he says, when you bring my people out of Egypt and are worshiping me on the mountain, then you will know that it's me. Oh, cool. Good. So let me just do what you tell me to do and then I'll know that you were, that's great. My sign is actually doing what you told me to do. (laughs) It's a terrible sign. So Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, release my people. And Pharaoh goes, no, thank you. And he's like, cool, thanks. And he goes to him nine more times after that. There's some plagues, there's stuff. So finally, this is really the best worded version. So finally, Pharaoh lets, his, lets, the, lets the Israelites go. And so they're marching on out. They get to the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh changes his mind. And he's right there with his army. And everyone's like, we're going to die. And God says, you know, Moses is like, we're going to die. And God looks at him, or God speaks to him and says, part the sea. At that point, I don't think that he had any, like, example of how to do that. (laughs) Other than to be like, okay, (laughs) sitting there holding the staff going, I hope this works. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm going to look really stupid. And then I'm going to die. So, obviously, he has nothing to lose. Does it? Parts the sea. Israelites stroll on through. Sea parts. And they're in the desert with nothing. They They left in a haste. They have no provisions, no food. Did you know, I recently learned this, that the journey from Egypt to the promised land takes 11 days? Can we marinate on that for a second? I don't know what you guys, but there have been times in my life where I took 40 years to get to something that God meant to take 11 days. You got your promise, and God's got this promise, and he's like, he's like, I got it right here for you. And I'm like, it's okay. I'm just going to keep going around this mountain until I decide that I really want to go to where the promise is. Right? So fast forward 40 years. There's the promised land. It's there. It's got milk and honey and giants. Seriously? Can't any of this be easy? So we know Joshua goes into the promised land. They finally are able to get in. But then once they enter the promised land, you know, if you want that milk and honey, you got to be milking them cows and tending them bees, y'all. <laughs> there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a theme here that I'm trying to hit. I don't know if you noticed. Um, your promise in God is really about the journey that it takes to get you there. It's about what gets put in you and what gets taken out in the process. Thanks, Mom. 
They know what's up, y'all. Let's think about Joseph again for a second. So Joseph has the dream with his brothers, and then he's immediately betrayed. And he's sent away from the problem. I mean, in order for his brothers to bow down to him, it would make sense that he has to be near his brothers, right? So he's immediately sent away from them to another land. No idea whether they're alive or dead. David's given a word. You're going to be king. And everything starts aligning itself, looking like it's starting to work. He defeats the giant. He's, you know, he's, the, he's Saul's right-hand man. And then Saul decides to kill him, and he has to flee, go away from the palace, away from Israel for an undefined amount of time. Moses, God speaks. He goes to Pharaoh. And not only is he rejected once or twice or three times, he's rejected nine times. I'll get back to that. But the, the thing that you notice is that God will give you a promise, but then he'll immediately test you with the opposite. Because if we cannot achieve, okay, we cannot achieve the promise if we don't know that we can overcome. There is an urgency, there's something that's put in us, um, a self-awareness, a confidence that happens when we overcome. And it's actually a gift of God. Because a big part of your promise is that you actually don't look the same when the promise comes. Or as I like to say, when the promotion comes. The promise is what's given to you. The promotion is when it arrives. Has anyone ever here like, been promoted? It doesn't have to be like you got like a CEO job when you were like, I don't know, working in the mailroom. It's, you know, God's, he's given you more influence, more authority. Does life get easier? <laughs> Usually there's more responsibility involved. There's higher stakes. You know, you're held to a higher standard. Um, and so it's, it's difficult because there's a season where we're traveling from promise to promotion. We've just been talking about it. And how do we do that well, you know? We persevere. We pray. <laughs> um, I've recently been contending for um, someone that I love for healing and prayer. And, and I feel like sometimes in prayer when the stakes get really high, you start, I, well, okay, I'll just talk about myself. I tend to start to question the whole concept of prayer. And I'm like... I don't know why I have to tell you this. You already know. And, and I don't know why I have to like specifically pray for this person because you love them more than I do. And of course you want to heal them more than I do. So I don't even know why I'm, ugh, I get so frustrated in the process. Just do it already. Come on, God. But then God reminds me that um, prayer is not for him. It's actually for me. Because what prayer does is... Um, it builds history, that builds relationship, that builds trust, that becomes faith. When Moses lost hope um, the first time, <laughs> when he goes to Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, no, I'm not letting the people go. And oh, but P.S., since you came to me and you had the audacity to speak, I'm going to increase their workload. 
Moses is there not by himself. He's there with Aaron. He's there with, he's already presented to all the Jewish leaders. I'm going to go and we're going to leave and it's going to be great. So he's there with all the elders, the Israelite elders in Egypt. Whoops. (laughs) And so he walks out of there and not only, you know, has he been rejected by the family that, you know, brought him up and he ran away from, but also uh, the people he's trying to free are so mad at him and they're angry and they're hurt and they're wounded and they've got more work and they didn't think they could have enough, you know? And uh, Moses turns to God and he said, why did you even send me? Immediately the promise has been, has been challenged and he starts to give God the same list. This is why I'm unqualified to do this. This is why I didn't want to come. Why did you send me? And God says, go to Pharaoh again. Go to the Jewish people again. And every time that he got rejected, God said the same thing to him. Go to them again. This reminded me of a story that Jeremy told us, told me while we were dating of his time at Morningstar and how they used to send them on these um, faith tests. We call them faith assaults here in the school, but it, you know, they're um, kind of acts of evangelism. It would, the tasks would start out with something like, you know, go out and get an accurate prophetic word, a word of knowledge for someone and record it on your phone and bring back the testimony. And then it'd be like, now go get three accurate prophetic words. Now go pray for people until you see a healing and it has to be doc- a documented healing. You have to be able to get a recording on your phone or take a picture or a video or something like that. And then it was, I want you to go pray for a Muslim and I want you to bring back a salvation story or salvation you know, testimony from a Muslim. That kind of freaks me out. <laughs> and I remember at the time, you know, I was kind of new to, to, to a lot of stuff that he was talking about. And so my eyes were like, if I date you, are you going to make me do that? <laughs> what if we got married? <laughs> I think on our first date, there was like a guy in a wheelchair. And like, I look over and I'm like, Where, where's Jeremy? And he's like praying for the guy in the wheelchair. And I'm like, Hi, how's it doing? How's it going? <laughs> You're so much better than me. Um, but the purpose of those faith tests, obviously, you know, first of all, is supposed to, you know, advancing the kingdom. But second, it's meant to kill fear. It's meant to kill fear inside of you, fear of man, that by the end of it, you ask, you ask them to go and minister somewhere or give someone a prophetic word, and they're like, oh, yeah, I've done that. <laughs> And that's what God was doing in Moses. He was killing fear. It's like when we go and we pray for people and we see nothing. And we're like, oh, I'm not a healer. But maybe it's just the 10th time of praying that God's going to show up and there's something that he's planting seeds in along the way. Can you think about if Moses had stopped at like a second, third, fourth rejection? if he'd gotten offended or he'd decided that he hadn't heard God and he just decided to toss the promise out and leave it at that? What if he stopped at the Red Sea? What if he stopped at the desert? What if they stopped at the promised land? I mentioned before that I have four kids. Had four kids in five years. 
each child was a blessing and a challenge from God. Uh, first was Judah. It was like, surprise! And then it was like, let's go into ministry. Wow. You know, and, and I, I learned the meaning of love. I always tell people um, when they get pregnant with their first baby, I'm like, this is, this is a crazy love that you can't experience you know, outside, it's, it's, it's an immediate thing that happens and all of a sudden you want to die for something that's done nothing for you. It's crazy. Um, and then when Judah was eight months old, surprise, here comes Evelyn. We have no money because we just went into ministry. And then God showed me that he provides because he took care of it all. And then when Evelyn was five months old, Surprise! Here's Jane. And uh, I learned the true meaning of the fact that every life is valuable because I didn't think I could do it again. And uh, she healed something in my heart and in my mind where I thought I knew that life was precious. Um, But the difficulty of going through that pregnancy and experiencing the joy bomb that came after that, you know, we have a staying in our house, but Jane. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then about three months ago, we had our fourth baby, Charlotte, um, which was more of like a ta-da than a surprise. And, uh, (laughs) but, uh, you know, she's already teaching us things too. Um, But about uh, a year or two ago, after we'd had Jane, we had some really close friends of ours uh, who are, um, he's an artist, she's an entrepreneur, and they uh, were married for about six weeks. They had just renovated a brand new, super cool loft downtown. I mean, there's not even like doors, people. They've just got curtains everywhere. You know, it's one bedroom, it's super swanky. And um, she just put, a bulk of her savings into a God idea, a business idea that God had given her uh, that she'd been marinating on for years. And God said, it's time. And she's like, okay. And then we got a phone call from them and they were both weeping and they're like, we're pregnant. I, I didn't even know I would be this fertile, you know, <laughs> but she finds out, you know, a couple weeks after that they're pregnant. And um, when you have an unplanned pregnancy, you call the shucks. And so Jeremy and I went over there and, um, and I mean, you guys, they're truly heartbroken. It's not, I mean, it's not necessarily that they never wanted kids, but this was, I mean, it's so opposite of the plan. I mean, obviously God had put them in this one direction and now they're, you know, they're headed back the other way. All of a sudden, you know, this huge thing. And, uh, I looked at her and I felt like the last four years of my life had come together and I, I, I looked at her and I said, this baby is a promise. And this baby is a promotion. Because the thing about the promises of God in our life is that when the promise comes, it doesn't stop there. It requires us to feed it and to nurture it and to take care of it because we are now responsible for the promotion and the promise of God that he's put in our lives. And it will continue to shift us, to change us, to mold us beyond the journey that it took to get to the promotion. And what's more is that um, 
once you get a promise, okay, so, so let's say it's not kids. Let's say, let's, let's, let's take it, let's take it down to you want to get married. You're in here. There's single people in here. You want to get married and <laughs> you are believing that God's going to bring you your spouse. And so what that looks like is a perfectly imperfect person comes and is going to be standing in front of you at some point, And you have to make the decision whether or not to gamble the rest of your life on, you know, hooking your wagon to the other idiot's wagon. You guys going, going through life like idiots together, figuring it all out. <laughs> that takes faith. But the promise isn't your wedding day. I mean, yeah, the promise is your wedding day. But there's a whole marriage that comes after that, y'all. And there are new promises that God's going to bring. If he brings you a huge million dollars, that's awesome. But if you haven't been preparing and you don't understand how to steward that money, it's not, it's not going to be something that changes you. It's going to be something that completely dries up. And you find yourself without the promise that God entrusted to you. Hmm. Because he's trusting you. He wants to entrust things to us. Because he wants to see you grow and he wants to see you know the treasures that he's placed inside of you that have been there all along because he's the one that made you, that knit you together. But through all these processes, he's showing you this is, you, this is your faithfulness that you didn't know that you had. This is the strength that you didn't know that you had. This is the power that I, that I, that I put in you to release. Because in the end, the promise is a gift God wants to give you. And the gift is faith and understanding and character and, and, and um, self-worth. Oh, my God, that's huge. You just feel the weight on that? Self-worth and power and hope. Because once you're there, God's going to give you a new promise. Because the promises of God look like faith, not retirement. So let's pray. Let's pray for people's promises this morning, for the things that you've been contending for, the things you want to see happen. And even if you don't have a promise, let's just pray it out. Father God, I ask that you would just start to just increase the promises in this room, that you would, you would start to fast track the promises, the things that people have been contending for in this room. God, that we would take 11 days and not 40 years. Yes. <laughs> we want to get the most out of this life, and we want to live from glory to glory, from promise to promise, because we want the fullness, Jesus. For those of us in the room that don't have a promise, God, and that we're waiting, we want to know what it is that you want to say to us. We want to know what life looks like. We want to know how to live in the fullness. Jesus, would you bring the promise? Would you give us dreams in the night? Would you bring the, prophet, the prophetic words? Would you speak to us in the quiet where we, where we still our hearts to listen to you, God? We invite you right now, Jesus, to come and take our plan and make it your plan. And we just tell you, Lord, that we want to persevere. We want to be people of prayer. We want to be people of perseverance. We want to make you proud, Papa. We love you so much, Jesus. And we bless your name and we thank you for who you are and who you've made us to be. Amen.